Good morning. I'm not a big comic strip guy, but there's a comic strip that begins with the words, love is, dot, 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 and then it's got a couple underneath, and then each day they put in a little finish to that sentence, and I went into their archives to get a few of those to share with you this morning. Love is carving your initials in a tree. Love is nursing him through his cold when yours is worse. Love is welcoming your mother-in-law on a week's visit. Love is cleaning out your own bathtub ring. Love is not cutting out the cartoon before he reads the paper. Many people have tried to finish that sentence, love is. Mark Twain said, love is the irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired. Peter Ustinov said, love is an act of endless forgiveness, a tender look which becomes a habit. Someone said, love is like a violin, the music may stop now and then, but the strings remain forever. Someone else said, love is friendship set on fire. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, love is the master key that opens the gates of happiness. Shakespeare said, love is merely madness. And a fellow whose name I can't pronounce, LaRoche called said love is like a ghost everyone talks of it few have seen it well if you want to finish the sentence love is you need to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because in verses 4 to 7 Paul tells us that love is 15 things And they are all verbs in the Greek. So, love is not a ghost. It can be seen. And in the first three verses, he tells us, if love is not seen in your life, then you are nothing. We've already seen, beginning in verse 4, that love is patient. And love is kind. And last week we saw that love is not jealous. And this morning we're going to pick up right there in verse 4 where we read, Love does not brag. The root word in the Greek language means windbag. It's the only time that word is used in the New Testament. Love is not a windbag. Love is not always shooting off its mouth about its own accomplishments. Love does not speak so as to make me look better than you. And it's really the flip side of jealousy. Jealousy is wanting what other people have. Bragging is trying to make other people want what I have. 
And we all know how that works. You're in a conversation with a group of people and somebody's telling a story and you're thinking, I wish they would hurry up and get done so I can say, well, that's nothing. Listen to what I did. That's bragging. And love doesn't brag. Bragging is making someone else think that you are superior, and that is the opposite of love. Love says, I want you to be superior. Love says, I consider you more important than me. Love doesn't brag. Love doesn't blow its own horn. And this is really a temptation to all of us because if, if you live long enough, you're going to find something you do well. And when you figure out what it is that you do well, then you really want other people to notice how well you do it. And potentially, bragging is a double sin because it's a sin to brag. And then secondly, it's a sin because you're trying to make other people jealous of you. Although sadly, that's rarely what happens. When you brag, most people look at you with pity. It's kind of like the old saying, empty trucks make the most noise. Someone said pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Love doesn't brag. How about you? Do you find yourself wanting to be a windbag? Do you find yourself always talking about yourself? I listen to preachers sometimes, and I hear them say, I, 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 my ministry, my church, my this, my that, and I think, it's not about you. It's not about bragging. Charles Trumbull prayed this prayer every day. He said, God, if you'll give me the strength, every time I have the opportunity to introduce the topic of conversation, it will always be Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a problem with bragging, this is a great prayer for you. Every time I get to introduce the topic of conversation, it will no longer be about me. It'll be about him. If anyone could have been a braggart, it would have been Jesus. And in John 12, 49, he said these words, For I have not spoken of myself. How many of us can say that? For just one day, I have not spoken of myself. We should, because love does not brag. Bragging says, I want you to know all about me. Love says, I want to know all about you. And then the next thing we read about love is that love is not arrogant. That's a word that means puffed up in the Greek language. Bragging is the action. Arrogance is the attitude behind bragging. Love is not puffed up. Love is not conceited. We talked last week about the uh, opera conductor named Moscone. 
he wrote an opera and dedicated it to himself. He said, to myself, with distinguished esteem and unalterable satisfaction. That's arrogance. I heard about a young lady who came to her pastor and said, I have a terrible sin in my life. I want you to help me with it. Every Sunday I come to church and I look around and I think to myself, I'm the prettiest girl in this church. And I can't help it. I do it every Sunday. He said, Mary, cut yourself some slack. In your case, it's not a sin. You're just delusional. I have a friend who likes to say, he says, I've got an awesome sermon on humility, and if I ever get a big enough crowd, I'm going to preach it. (laughs) Love is not puffed up. Love is not conceited. Love is not arrogant. And we see that so much in sports. When somebody does something well, we see the posturing and the posing and the taunting and the pounding the chest and pointing at themselves, and it's just sort of become a part of sport today. That's why I love the gesture in basketball when a guy makes a hoop and he turns around and he points at the guy who passed the ball to him, giving him credit for what happened. That's a beautiful gesture to me in the midst of all the arrogance in sport today. Love is not puffed up. The Corinthians were puffed up. If you go back a few chapters in chapter 4 and verse 18, Paul addresses them in verse 18 and says, Now some have become arrogant. And then in chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, You have become arrogant. Chapter 8 and verse 1 He says, knowledge makes arrogant, or knowledge puffs up. They were macho Corinthians. They came to church all swelled up about themselves. And so Paul says, love is not arrogant. Love is not puffed up. A fellow by the name of Howard Butt wrote an article entitled, The Art of Being a Big Shot. Let me just read you a little portion of that. He says, It is my pride that makes me independent of God. It's appealing to me to feel that I am the master of my fate, that I run my own life, call my own shots, go it alone. But that feeling is my basic dishonesty. I can't go it alone I have to get help from other people, and I can't ultimately rely on myself. I'm dependent on God for my next breath. It is dishonest of me to pretend that I'm anything but a man, small, weak, and limited. So living independent of God is self-delusion. It is not just a matter of pride being an unfortunate little trait and humility being an attractive little virtue. It's my inner psychological integrity that's at stake. 
When I am conceited, I am lying to myself about what I am. I am pretending to be God and not man. My pride is the idolatrous worship of myself, and that is the national religion of hell. Wow. Love is not arrogant. I had a young man come to me. It's probably been 15 or so years ago. He just graduated from Bible college, and he had gone back to his home church, and he came to me and he said, I got a problem. He said, I, I know more than anybody in my church, including the pastor and the elders. What should I do? I said, well, first of all, don't tell anybody. And secondly, you take the lowest job that you can find there. If it's sweeping the floors, you sweep the floor. If it's teaching the first graders, you teach the first graders. You start and you become a servant in that church because there's a promise in Scripture that if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. You go in there arrogantly, you're not going to accomplish anything for God. I don't care how much you know. And he took my advice and he started at the bottom and God has blessed him not only with a significant ministry, but with a heart after God's own heart because God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Love is not arrogant. You know, it's interesting to me that we usually view someone who is proud as being somebody who is very secure and competent, but actually it's quite the opposite person who is arrogant is actually the most insecure person that you will ever meet. Because the person who is arrogant and bragging about themselves are only doing so so that maybe they'll believe it or you'll believe it or somebody will believe it and maybe they can build themselves up to something. You see, the most secure person around is the person who's humble because that person has nothing to prove. Let me show you a great example of this. Look in John chapter 13. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 13. And look at John 13. This is a familiar passage where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. I'm sorry, chapter, yes, chapter 13. John 13. I want you to notice how this passage begins in verse 3 of chapter 13. says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself and he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus, knowing where he came from, knowing where he was going, knowing that the Father had given everything into his hands, knowing exactly who he is, knowing how secure he is, he could then humble himself and wash the disciples' feet. Jesus, knowing that the Father had placed everything in his hands, could then take those hands and wash the disciples' feet. 
You see, when I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going and I know how God has blessed me and I know who I am in Jesus Christ, then I don't have anything more to prove. I can humble myself. Most secure person on the planet is a person who's humble. He's got nothing to prove. The most insecure person on the planet is the person who's arrogant and trying to be a windbag and let everyone else know about it. Love is not arrogant. Sometimes I hate to go to pastor's conferences because I was talking to somebody about this last week. You go to a pastor's conference and they'll ask you your name and where you're from and almost the, in the top three questions is, how big's your church? And I'm thinking, you know, if I said 20, would you just kind of walk away? You know, I mean, what does that matter? But, but that's a question you hear over and over again and there's a temptation to want to say, oh, well, 10,000, I mean, how are you going to know? reality is that the the size of this church has nothing to do with my relationship with Jesus Christ. has nothing to do with love. I always tell people, you know, cemeteries are growing. Someone said to Winston Churchill, Doesn't it thrill you that whenever you give a speech, there are huge crowds there to listen to you? And he said, well, that's flattering. But I always keep it in perspective that if they were hanging me, the crowd would be twice the size. Love is not arrogant. Love is not big-headed. Love is big-hearted. I love the example of John the Baptist. John John the Baptist came on the scene, and he was a popular preacher, and he was preaching, and everybody was coming to hear John the Baptist, and he was the big thing. And then Jesus came along, and the crowds left John the Baptist and went over to hear Jesus. And somebody came up to him and said, you know, everybody's gone over to hear Jesus. What do you think about that? And John the Baptist said, He must increase, and I must decrease. That's love, because love is not arrogant. You want a simple test of how mature you are as a Christian? The simple test is this. How humble are you? Because as maturity increases, pride decreases. And we see that in the life of Paul. Early in his ministry, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he said, For I am the least of the apostles. In the middle of his ministry, he made this statement in Ephesians 2, 8, To me, the very least of all saints. And then at the end of his ministry, in 1 Timothy 1, 15, He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. What do we see happening in Paul's life? As he matures spiritually, he goes from, I'm the least of the 12, 
to I'm the least of all Christians, to I'm the least of everybody on the planet. What was happening? His maturity was increasing. His pride was decreasing. So if you want to measure your maturity as a Christian, don't show me how many verses you know. Show me your humility as you walk it out in your life. Show me that you're living by the motto, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Love is not arrogant. And then the next thing we read in verse 5 is, love does not, does not act unbecomingly. I think the King James says it doesn't behave itself unseemly. That's a phrase that means love is not rude. And that's very practical. Love is not rude. Poor manners and rudeness is saying to other people, I don't love you because I could care less about how my actions affect you. When I was a little kid, my mother taught me manners. In fact, she still is. I grew up in Nashville. In fact, in Nashville, everybody taught you manners. I mean, you just had to say, yes, ma'am, yes. If you didn't say yes, ma'am to your teacher, you weren't going to get a response. So I learned manners in Nashville, and I learned manners from my mom. She would say, you know, chew with your mouth shut, and don't, don't slurp your hot chocolate or coffee. You know, I love to go. <laughs> Makes it taste better. I didn't understand that until I was busy slurping mine, and the guy across from me was slurping too, and I was like, man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to. You've got to figure out that, that manners, being polite, is about being concerned about how my actions, even little actions, affect other people. You see, even the little things that you do express love because you're saying your happiness matters to me and I'm going to do whatever I can do to help you feel more comfortable and happy. The Corinthians had a problem with this. They came together for their love feast and they all ate their food by themselves before those who had none got there. And they were overindulging and actually getting drunk at their love feasts. And when they had their services, everybody was shouting out and nobody was waiting on the other person. They were all being rude with each other. Love is never rude because love is always conscious of how it's affecting other people. In Luke chapter 7, we read about a prostitute who came into a Pharisee's home where Jesus was. And she wept, and she washed Jesus' feet, and she kissed his feet, and she anointed him with oil. And we're told that the Pharisee, who went by the name of Simon, was judging her. He was saying, she's a sinner. What's she doing in my house? You know, he's thinking, if Jesus wasn't here, I would take her and throw her out of here. 
And what was Jesus doing? He was loving her. He was forgiving her. He was redeeming her. Love is not rude. I've seen Christians that are so rude with unbelievers who smoke that they would never, ever get the chance to share Christ with that person. Love is not rude. My kids have worked as waiters and waitresses. It's funny sometimes when they come home and tell me about waiting on somebody in town, maybe even a pastor in town, and saying, you know what? They were so rude. And I think, what kind of a message is that? If I go in and I'm rude to people because I have really destroyed my platform then for sharing the gospel. Haddon Robinson is one of my favorite preachers. Tells a story about taking a big-name speaker out to lunch, and they were at the restaurant, and the waitress accidentally spilt the water on him. And he scolded the waitress, and she kind of, all embarrassed and humiliated, went back to the kitchen, and while they were sitting there, Haddon Robinson leaned across to the fellow and said, when she comes back, why don't you witness to her? Ouch. You see, the platform for sharing the gospel is love. And love is not rude. Heard about a fellow who started to open the door for uh, a lady as she was coming in, and she said, you don't have to open the door for me just because I'm a lady. And he said, I'm not opening the door for you because you're a lady. I'm opening the door for you because I'm a gentleman. Love is not rude. Let me ask you a personal question. Don't answer. You come into the parking lot here, and you're a little late, and it's all crowded, and and there are cars everywhere, and you can't find a spot. And you think, I'm going to have to park down on the lower lot and walk all the way up. And then you see there's one more visiting parking spot left. You did that? (laughs) Who's going to know I'm not a visitor? When you go to a restaurant and they get the order wrong, do you... Treat that waiter or waitress like your slave? Do you speak down to them, or do you understand that situation? Are you polite in that situation? When we go over to somebody's house for lunch today, whoever invites me and all the college students, (laughs) 
we sit down at the table and we're having fried chicken. And so they pick up the platter and they start passing around the table and it comes all the way around the table and it's almost to the end and you're second to the last and I'm last. And all that's left on the platter is one breast and one wing. What are you going to do? You say, well, you mean the great agape love comes down to things as simple and practical and small as those kind of things? Absolutely. Love is not rude. And if you are being rude in the way you walk through life, then you're not expressing the kind of love that God is calling you. Love doesn't brag. Love is not arrogant. And love is polite. I'm going to let you reflect on those things before you leave today. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back. We're going to sing that song, The Power of Your Love. And this will really be our closing reflection. I want you to think about your own life in terms of these areas. The area of bragging, the area of your attitude of pride, and the area of being polite to people, even people you think, I'll never see that person again. Because that's how practical love should be in our lives. And if I'm not expressing that, maybe this is your opportunity to say to the Lord, you need to change my heart today and fill me with your love so that it flows out in practical ways to other people. Let's stand as we close. I'm going to ask the Hannah kids to come down front so I can introduce them after the song. But let's sing this to the Lord today.